Hi, welcome to Carbon Design's MindShift podcast. I'm Scott Gellum and I'll be your host today. We'll explore new ways of thinking, new technologies, and new insights to help drive business performance. So let's get started. Okay, today we have David Brock with us. And uh, Dave is my go-to person when I want to know what's going on in the world of sales. Uh, when we step out of some <laughs> the marketing box. Uh, Dave is the CEO and founder of Partners in Excellence. And he is the author of Sales Manager Survival Guide, which when I was thinking about this article, I was thinking maybe we need to write one for marketing. They need to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for your time today. And, and this is picking up on the conversation that Dave and I started at Gartner a couple of weeks ago at their sales and marketing leader, uh, thought leader summit. And then it carried over to LinkedIn and then David wrote a response on his website. So uh, Dave, welcome. Thank you for spending your time with us today. Well, thanks, Scott. I've really been looking forward to this. I mean, you and I, when we get together, we always tend to kind of initially go at each other. And then all of a sudden I said, you know, Scott's saying some really smart stuff here. And, you know, and, and so I learned so much from our discussions and I'm really looking forward to this one. Great, great. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. So let's start for the benefit of our marketing audience in, and just talk about the state of sales. You say in your blog post that you're optimistic about it. So tell me a little bit about where you're seeing in the world of sales today and why you're so optimistic. Yeah, I, I think, well, we're seeing just kind of huge areas of, of I think, transition or even transformation in selling. And I think, you know, starting with the state of sales is the wrong place to start. I I think it's start with the state of our customers and what are they experiencing? And then what does that mean for sales? And, you know, I've been writing a lot about the state of customers and in this concept called turbulence, because as you look at you know, the rate of change, the rate of disruption, you know, brand new business models coming up, you know, the things of information overload and overwhelm, digital transformation, risk, all these things converging on each other. Our customers are in a a state of real turbulence or complexity or whatever. And it creates some both challenges and opportunities. and, And from a sales and marketing point of view, or from a supplier vendor point of view, you know, there's some real opportunities for us to say, how can we help our customers navigate through this? Yeah. Uh, and how can we differentiate ourselves from everybody else in, in helping them navigate through this? So I think, you know, and it's impacting every segment, every customer in the world. And so those organizations that can respond and be helpful to customers are really going to thrive uh, those that don't, that come in and pitch their products, they'll be kind of also rands. But when you look at it, there's so much great opportunity for us to help our customers and build these great relationships and drive business revenue and business volumes if we do the right thing for the customers. So, and that's a great point. You mentioned in your blog about it's really what a customer's want. I, I question the value sales and, and you're right it's really what do customers want from a sales organization or a salesperson yeah so what do you think they want with if you were to describe the salesperson of today what would you describe in terms of what customers are looking for 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of market data, a lot of, uh, you know, that you and I have both seen in, in the Gartner conferences, but there's a lot of data is they want customers, one, that understand their business, their markets, their their industries. They want sales, customers want salespeople who understand those things, who can give them insight, who can kind of help them kind of navigate their way through what they should be doing. You know, and if you go back to kind of the early days of Challenger is, you know, there's an opportunity for them to change the outcomes they get by changing some things and we can give them some insight around that. So one, I think that they, you know, they want people that are knowledgeable about them and their customers and their markets. They want people who are knowledgeable about the solutions they represent and less about product features, functions, and speeds, but more what it means to the customer and how it will impact them in terms of their ability to achieve their goals. And I think they want, as a driven sales guy, I feel a little bit hesitant saying that, I think they want some level of empathy, you know, some level of understanding of, you know, I get what you're going through and I understand, and this isn't easy stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think that's what customers want. And, and so, you know, you might sum it up as saying they want salespeople who care. Yeah. And do companies get that? Are they training sales reps to be able to be empathetic and understand what you just described? Uh, yes and no. Uh, you know, I, I see kind of this bifurcation of selling going on. A lot of it has come from kind of the whole SaaS movement and so yeah. on and so forth, where you see customers treated as widgets and we're going to run the customer down our factory line, you know, and we're going to do the things that we want them to do. I mean, the example that you gave in your post was a perfect example of that. You had your buying process and they said, no, you don't fit our selling process. So you either fit our selling process or you don't get to buy from us. (laughs) <laughs> which was, I mean, the height of arrogance. And also, you know, unfortunately, we see too much of that where we're kind of transactionalizing the relationship and transactionalizing uh, how we engage customers. And I think we're seeing some real challenges to that model. On the other side, you do see leading organizations, a lot of the organizations you and I work with are really rethinking it. You know, I have one one of my clients who is just, I mean, brilliant is, I mean, they're training their people in things like curiosity. They're training people Mm -hmm. in critical thinking and in problem solving and in collaboration and facilitation, not basic selling skills, but in those things. And, you know, that translates to an ability to connect with and care for the customer in a very different way. So you see the bright spot you see is the leaders are really doing those things and and the results they're producing are just profound. Uh, Anything, any industry or any organization come to mind that uh, you may want to share kind of what you've seen specifically that they're doing? You know, I see it in lots of industries. You know where I see the biggest drive for the change is in things that we think of as traditionally commoditized products. You know, if I look at kind of a lot of my background comes from high technology, software and systems and so on and so forth. And still there, unfortunately, we're facing kind of hot products win. 
But, you know, I have some clients who sell basic materials. I mean, you know, the oil that I sell is not different than the oil my competitor sells. Or the semiconductor I sell is not really very differentiated from the semiconductor a competitor sells. Yeah. And so those people, when they say the product is no longer the differentiator, those organizations are really reinventing themselves around the customer buying process, around what the customer wants to achieve. So it's those people that I see as kind of on the leading, if not bleeding edge of this transformation. And, and again, it's because they recognize it's less about the product and more about what the customer is trying to do and how we can help them. Whereas I, I think a lot of, you know, people from kind of technology, Silicon Valley and so on and so forth are still leveraging the hot product syndrome. Yeah. And we saw that day when we were with Gartner, uh, the research around the SenseMaker salesperson. Yeah. I know you've worked closely with them on identifying the, that type of person. Tell me a little bit more about what a SenseMaker looks like. Well, I, I think the sense maker is, and I like the way Gartner's positioned it, is the sense maker is kind of the customer focused version of Challenger. So Challenger, we can we, you know, looked at our customers, our markets, and so on and so forth, and we came with insights to say, and challenge may be the wrong word, but but have you ever thought of doing some things differently? Or we've seen this in these markets. Have you ever considered what that impact might be for you? Yeah. And so on and so forth. The sense-making piece, I think, is the step beyond this to say, let's put ourselves in the customer's position and see what they're facing and help them sort through all that. Because as you start looking at it, you know, we're really overwhelmed by complexity and customers are, are struggling with, what do I do first? How do I do these things? And it turns out sense-making, the, the concept of sense-making has been around for a long time, basically rooted in complexity theory. And if you look at a lot of agile and lean type of movements, there's been quite a bit of work done on that, except very little, uh, actually none of it done in sales and marketing. Yeah. So. If you had to say, I, I noticed that you're wearing black, uh, so you look like a marketing guy today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to seeing Dave in a suit and tie, so it's nice to see that he can be casual. And when he's casual, he looks like a marketing guy. What would you tell marketers that sales wants? Uh, what, do, what do they need for marketing today? I think marketing can provide a lot of leadership that, it's not sales job to figure out or do, but it's sales job to learn and, and learn how to apply. So, you know, marketing, I think, along with, say, I'll lump that in with product marketing and product management and talk about, you know, this whole thing of what is our customer's world like today and what do they face you know, and what does that mean to them? Because there's a lot of analytics, there's a lot of market data and so on and so forth that you can start doing and you can start slicing and dicing it in various different ways. And, and so how do we help our customers make sense of these things? So I think marketing and product management can do a lot for that. I think what they also need to do is look, traditionally marketers have and I know you, you and I have talked about this and are in wild agreement, is traditionally they've focused on kind of the front end, the demand gen, the lead gen, and so on and so forth. 
But now I think what marketers need to do to help sales is look at the entire life cycle. You know, both how do we create awareness, visibility, drive demand, and so on and so forth, but how do we help equip salespeople to be effective as they're helping the customer navigate the complexity and navigate the buying process and then navigate, you know, the customer experience afterwards. You know, in most modern marketer th- marketing thinking, you know, I can probably count them on one hand, but, <laughs> but most, you know, are thinking in that way. I mean, too many of us are, are, are too many marketers are still thinking kind of in awareness, demand gen, lead gen type stuff. Right. Right. It's a living life cycle. You know, I asked the question in the, the blog post of Brown, where does inbound marketing uh, stop and where does uh, sales engagement start? And so I'd like to get your thoughts on it. We, you know, we've got a lot of comments on the, on, you know, the exchange that we've had, but no one really talked about that, that question. No one really gave an opinion. Where, what's your opinion on where it starts? Or is it, is it both? Is it continuing to be both all the way through a buying journey? I think it's both. It's kind of a yes and kind of thing is, is we need both. I mean, we need, I mean, for instance, you know, some of the questions I ask myself are things like, you know, inbound marketing is terribly powerful when you start looking at a customer that's starting to think maybe there's a different way of doing things and they're starting to go out and search and they're starting to identify things that are being done. And so inbound marketing is very powerful at helping capture and nurture the customer through and present them to a salesperson. And then, you know, other marketing programs and materials help the salesperson through that whole buying cycle. At the same time, inbound marketing isn't sufficient. The inbound marketing is never going to capture the attention of a customer that doesn't recognize they need to change. And that's where you think of, you know, sometimes the salesperson is probably the greatest person to incite the idea of change and marketing might take over after that to kind of nurture and develop those ideas until the point that that customers are are hot to move. Yeah. At which point sales engages. So, you know, we've traditionally looked at and this is I mean, years ago, you and I talked about this at one of the Gartner uh, meetings was, you know, marketing traditionally does this and sales gets engaged like this is now we have to look at marketing and sales as more of an interleave process from creating awareness to, you know, using the products and getting the result uh, from the solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there's good communication between sales and marketing now? We've always talked about the riff between the two organizations and better integrate. That, that brick wall exists between us and, and none of us want to talk to each other. Of course there are good communications. No, I, I don't think there are. And I don't think, and, and I don't know that it's any maliciousness on the part of marketers or salespeople is, I mean, genuinely, I think, you know, people are struggling to do their jobs really well yeah. And they're overwhelmed and overloaded. And you kind of, you notice every, all of us get tunnel vision and we focus on what's in front of us and not the people on either side of us. And so I, I think, you know, I think, it, again, I don't think it's any kind of maliciousness or anything. I think it's we just get so caught up in doing our jobs yeah. that we forget about the other people. And so I think that becomes more of a leadership issue. Yeah, I agree. 
sales and marketing have been enabled with a tremendous amount of technology over the last five, seven, ten years. Do you think salespeople is that helping salespeople more, be more effective with their selling? <laughs> yes and no. From a sales point of view, I look at things like people bragging about their sales stack. I just saw an infographic yesterday where salespeople are using, on average, 44 apps to do their job. You know, and that's everything from their CRM systems to their sales enablement systems to scheduling and, and messaging and tech systems on their mobiles and so on and so forth. And you start thinking of that, you know, 44 apps, how do I possibly use all those kinds of things? So I think, you know, salespeople are getting overwhelmed by the technology and not all the technology is useful. Yeah. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, and, we're see, and, and we've seen like how many CRM systems are really being well utilized and things like that. Um, same thing, my observation on marketing is marketing has a lot of tools and they're not leveraging them. I mean, I can every morning when I look at my inbox and look at all the, the mail that I'm getting from legitimate companies is, you know, why are they sending it to me? Because I'm not their ideal persona. Why are they sending me something that's a problem that I don't have? You know, and you know they have, you know, even the most simple marketing automation technology enables you to segment by persona, by interest, by size, and so on and so forth. You know, sending me something that says Google is doing this in their IT implementation and so on and so forth. You ought to use it too. Well, we're a 15-person company who outsources all our IT to a service provider. So why are you sending that to me? So on both sides, we have, we're overwhelmed with automation and we aren't using it well. And consequently, I think it diminishes our impact and effectiveness and our spending, I think, is way out of, out of sight. Yeah, I, you and I have had this conversation. I, I really think that there is a, a big concern of, of letting the technology fix everything. And there are some things that are just fundamental. We see it in marketing, basic stuff that need to be in place. For example, basic database quality and, and enhancements and just having that versus the sexy thing is now we go hire a bunch of data scientists, but we have bad data. And this has been a problem that's been around for eons. And, and it still exists, but now we're throwing on now data scientists and all these sophisticated models, and we're still getting the outputs. Uh, that so, so like that. yeah, now we have the ability to create crap at the speed of light. Yeah, we haven't really learned anything. We're still confusing activity with performance, and we're just going faster now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that we see is maybe part of human nature. It's not, you know, I see it as badly executed in sales. As it is in marketing, I see it as badly executed in customer uh, experience or customer service and so on and so forth. I think there's a tendency for people, particularly leaders, to look for the silver bullet. And technology tends to be a silver bullet these days rather than, you know, going back to what are some of the fundamentals and then how do we get to executing those fundamentals really well? Right. Uh, whether it's on the marketing side or on, on the sales side. And then what tools can we do to in, increase our ability to execute those things very well? So I'd like to get your thoughts about allowing customers in a buying process to self-identify when they want help from sales versus 
a sales process when we have an active outbound outreach to a customer to help them move along in the sales process. When do you think it's appropriate to continue to allow a customer to go through their journey and learn about what their needs are, what their customer uh, requirements are in terms of their uh, technology versus it's now time to go out act and, and see if we can't help them navigate to the right information and make a good purchase decision. Any thoughts about what that right moment is or where in the sales process you really want to? I, I think it really depends and it depends really on kind of the solution area or product area. Uh, and, and if you look at complexity theory, there, you know, there's a kind of a, a spectrum of something that's simple and very well known. So for instance, and those end up being, you know, sometimes commoditized things, sometimes transactional type things. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago, I was uh, EVP of sales of a large technology company, and we were buying laptops and CRM, very, very old CRM for the very first time. And it was, a, a, collectively, it was about a $10 million investment. And nobody had done that before. And that was a very complex buying process, a lot of education and so on and so forth because of all the risks and uncertainty and trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. Today, those things are all transactionalized and commoditized, you know, and, and in fact, you can do it untouched by a salesperson or a marketeer, it, you know, just by going in and purchasing online. So it, it depends kind of on the solution the problem type and the customer familiarity with solving those things. And you and I both know that in the very complex B2B uh, process, you know, customers don't know how to buy and they shouldn't know how to buy is things are changing so rapidly. They can't keep current with the issues. So there, I think that the ability of the salesperson or the marketing engagement to help the customer identify those next steps. You know, one of the most stunning pieces of data we see at Gartner every year is 53% of people that have entered a buying motion end up with no decision made. And the reason they end up with no decision made is not because they couldn't select the product, but they couldn't navigate their own process. Yeah. You know, and I, I look at, you know, the e, to me is, is kind of a, a an aggressive salesperson, the easiest way for me to increase my sales revenue is not to win more of those 47%, but to start capturing some of that 53% and moving more of those over the, the, the finish line. Yeah. Um, and it's it's that whole thing of, of helping them manage the complexity of their own organization, helping them identify what they should be doing and creating a huge sense of urgency around we have to do it now. Yeah, and the equivalent in marketing is focusing on more and not converting what we have. <laughs> so yeah. it's just an easier path just to go out and, and do more. So I wanna, I wanna end with one last thing and it is remnants of uh, city slickers when they said the secret of, the, of to life is one thing. You've got a, and they never reveal that by the way. You've got a similar thought for sales as this, the, the one thing. Could you describe that? Yeah, it's, well, see, the one thing, what's interesting is we see a lot of sales leaders and a lot of executives and a lot of salespeople say the one thing, and it's this technology. It's, it, if I implement this technology, it's the silver bullet. But it's, the one thing is actually different for each salesperson. 
And it's, you know, so what frontline sales managers need to do is really kind of assess the performance of the salesperson to say, what's the one thing that today has the most leverage on the salesperson being able to produce results? You know, so again, what we tend to do is we look to the one, the silver bullet kind of solution. That's the one thing that will solve all of the world's problems. Or we look at uh, the one thing is do more, do more prospecting, fill your pipelines, do more of all this stuff. And none of those things are working. So what you have to really do, and and you got me, I'm just in the middle of, of doing a report for a client where, you know, we're actually diagnosing each, um, a salesperson. And, you know, there are several salespeople in this team whose win rates are about 25 to 30% of what their peers' win rates are. So their one thing might be to focus better on how do we improve their win rates. There's another group of salespeople who are doing fantastic things. The results are great. Their average transaction values, win rates, and all that are great. But, you know, their sales cycle is can be compressed. You know, we have, I mean, the top performer in this organization has an average sales cycle of 133 days. The average sales cycle of all the other performers is 254 days. And you start saying, what is this top performer doing differently than everybody else? And how do we get other people doing it? It turns out he's qualifying much better. It's interesting. He spends twice as much time on a percentage basis qualifying than everybody else. So he's finding the right opportunities. He's nurturing them to create a high sense of urgency to do something. And if you look at a sales cycle after that, it goes very, very quickly and very few of his deals end up in no decision made. Wow. Yeah. So the one thing ends up being, you know, my, my stock answer is it always, it depends. And, all, and it is the one thing and it's sales management's responsibility to help salespeople understand what their one thing is right now. Yeah. And then in a few months, it might be, how do you turn the crank one more time? It might be a different one thing yeah. and so on. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And for marketers, we've always tried to tie it to one thing. And, and that's a theme for the year, whether we used to, we, we call it the big play. Mm-hmm. Tying it to one theme that you're going to send out uh, over the course of the year. So maybe a research effort that you're doing that provides some new insights about the technology that you've developed and, and wrap everything around that. Or maybe the fact that you've got a new segment that you're going to, you're focused on penetrating. Just focus yeah. on that and tie all your activities to driving that success. Well, and what I would, you know, as a, as a sales guy continuing to kind of nitpick at marketing is what I would tend to do is rather than marketing identify their one thing, I, I'd say, what is the customer's one thing? As we look at, at a segment of our customers, where is the biggest leverage point for them and how do I put together a program to help them become aware of the potential of exercising that leverage point? Right, right. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate the insight. And uh, we're going to take one thing away from this. Hopefully, everybody takes one thing that's different for each person who's viewed this. I've taken quite a few notes here. So I thank you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Oh, thanks so much, Scott. I've been looking forward to this since you threatened me with it a while back. And it's so much, it's always so much fun talking to you. So thanks so much. All right. And I'm sure we'll continue to debate online. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thanks.